Hello, my friend. You are tuned in to a brand new episode of Tide Pod, and today we're talking about cleaning house. Mm-hmm. You heard me correctly, but not your personal house. Oh, no. Now, I, I don't know what situation you got going on. Perhaps you do need to clean your room, make your bed, uh, military corners and all that. However, today we are going to be talking about cleaning house in your company because more often than many of us would like to admit, our hygiene when it comes to our business really is just not up to par. But lucky for you, that's all about to change. Now, you're not going to have to go into this house clean up blind, I've got a checklist of things for you to go ahead and get situated so that you don't have to be embarrassed to pull, you know, the curtains open and let people see what's really happening behind the scenes in your business. All right. So go ahead and get cozy because we are going to dive in right after this. Hello, my friend, it's Tiana Tai, Team Dynamics Consultant and trained industrial organizational psychologist, helping you to become a better leader than your last boss. And right now, you are tuning in to the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs building and leading teams, hiring, onboarding, management, or maybe you just want some general advice about building your business. Well, let me assure you, you are in the right place. So go ahead, crack open a fresh notebook because you are listening to Tipod. Today's episode is brought to you by ClickUp. Now look, there are a lot of project management systems out there, and this is a question that I get pretty much on a weekly basis. Which system should I choose? Now, you know my belief, your system is highly dependent on how you work and how your team works best. However, I am not shy about sharing my favorite of the bunch. It's ClickUp. When it comes to daily team management, I have personally found that ClickUp provides everything you need. My team uses ClickUp for just task management, to house our headquarter resources, and for ongoing communication. My favorite part, with the unlimited version, you get access to the dashboards, which has totally replaced Slack for us, and I am a streamlined systems type of woman. I highly recommend it if you have a team, and guess what? It couldn't be easier or better. You can go to tianatai.com slash clickup and get 50% off of your very first year. I'm telling you, 50% off. Just head to www.tianatai.com slash clickup to snag that today. All right, Tiana. So why are we talking about cleanliness and what does this have to do with having a strong, empowered team who is just taking our company to the next level, doing life, doing business with us and doing so happily, right? All right, let's talk about it. Personal hygiene, of course, it's a must. Like, no one want to be around here stinking. But the same concept does apply to your business, okay? So today, I do want to talk about hygiene, not necessarily for your home. I want to talk about something called Hertzberg's Hygiene Theory. Alrighty, so let me go ahead and give you a little bit of background because as you know, when your team members are happy and taken care of, it leads to incredible benefits like increased productivity and engagement. So this is one of the tip top ways that you can make sure that your team members are doing well, which is making sure that they're not working in a dirty house day in and day out. 
You see what I did there with the example? Okay, so let me actually break down what Hertzberg's hygiene theory is and a couple of ways, like I've got a checklist ready for you so you can make sure that we've dusted off the cobwebs and made the home presentable so that we're not embarrassed by it anymore. Alrighty, so let's go. So for those who haven't heard of Hertzberg's hygiene theory, I want to give you a little bit of background here. Back in the 1950s, a dude named Frederick Hertzberg interviewed a group of employees and asked them two very simple questions, actually. So the first question he asked was, think of a time when you felt especially good about your job. Why did you feel that way? Simple enough, right? And the second question that he asked, he said, think of a time when you felt especially bad about your job. Why did you feel that way? So he asked for the positive. He asked for the negative. He wanted the full picture. Now, from these two questions, Hertzberg developed this theory about the two dimensions of employee satisfaction, and he called them dimension A, motivation, and dimension B, hygiene. All right. So motivation is very much what it sounds like, right? That is creating satisfaction by fulfilling individuals' needs for meaning and personal growth, like achievement, recognition. Uh, They're motivated by the work itself or their sense of responsibility or their career advancement, right? All of those things that motivate us. It's not really rocket science, you know? But hygiene was very, very interesting because hygiene, he used that word to really refer to factors that create the employee's work environment, right? So again, that's why I keep using the analogy, is your house dirty? You know what I'm saying? Is your company behind the scenes? If we pull back the curtain, is it an absolute mess? So some of the factors that Hertzberg believed go into that company hygiene include things like company policies, uh, the supervision of employees, salary, interpersonal relationships, and overall working conditions. So what Hertzberg figured out through his research is that once those hygiene areas are addressed, the motivators can then do their thing and actually make people feel satisfied and really, you know, engaged and productive at work. So I want to say that again and make sure it hit correctly. The hygiene factors had to be addressed first before the motivation factors really created the impact they were supposed to make. So I want you to think about it like this. Okay. If you you buy this this house, right? And the house has all of the potential in the world to be beautiful. Now let's say it's it's honestly like it's a little rehab project. We got to give it a little love. So like the carpets are stained and there's trash everywhere. You've got like old furniture, just tattered, blah, 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 blah. So it's not looking its hottest, but you install this beautiful chandelier and let's say you paint the walls, you know, whatever the trendy color is at the time and you buy a 75 inch flat screen TV. Okay, so if I walk into this reno project with dirty carpets, you know, tattered furniture, everything's a mess, there's trash, there's debris, there's all sorts of stuff everywhere, am I going to be dissuaded by the beautiful chandelier, the nice new paint color, and the 75-inch TV? Perhaps not, particularly if there are, you know, like roaches crawling on the wall. I have a thing with roaches, personal history, I've lived in one of these houses, is, is what I'm going to leave it at, but... What I'm saying here is like those motivation things, I'm going to consider those like the nice to have, you know, the TV, the cool pink colors and all that. It can only actually make home feel like home and a good place to be if the foundation of the home is where it's supposed to be. So I want you to envision this instead. 
Envision that you're walking into the house. It was a rehab project, but you handled what needed to be handled first. We pulled out that disgusting carpet with like 10 years of crust on it. We got rid of the roach problem. We cleaned it up. There's no more trash. There's no debris, no broken windows, and things are just nice and clean. We don't have the fancy chandelier. We don't have the 75-inch TV, but I want you to tell me, which house would you rather spend the night in? Do you want to sleep on the crusty, roast-infested, you know, carpet that hasn't been touched in 30 years? Or are you willing to stay at the house that's clean but doesn't have the fancy chandelier and the 75-inch TV? Like maybe we're making, you know, shadow puppets on the wall and playing cards to entertain ourselves rather than watching the new Marvel whatever it is on the widescreen. I don't know about y'all, but again, I've lived it. I've stayed in the house that had the roach problems and all that, and I'm not trying to go back there. So I would rather be in the house that doesn't have those hygiene issues, okay? So that's really the spirit of what Hertzberg was talking about here, which is even when it comes to our companies, we need to have the foundations cleaned up and hygienic before we can move on to, you know, prioritizing things like, you know, uh, recognition awards and trophies and bonuses and doing all of these nice things to motivate people. So with that in mind, now that you understand why we got to be hygienic at the foundational level before we can get into the fancy, fancy stuff, I kind of basically created like a little checklist for you to start thinking about of uh, the hygienic factors that Hertzberg came up with so that you can really start to think for yourself and for your company, am I really cleaned up behind the scenes in these areas or does a little bit of work need to be done? to make this company, this home, a better environment for anybody who is involved with it. So the first hygiene factor is a good one. It's company policies. Now, take a moment and think back to the beginning of your career. Maybe you were working for someone else or perhaps working in corporate. Did you ever experience like having all of that red tape to cut through, which was so annoying because you're like constantly in meetings and somehow it feels like nothing ever actually gets done and progress is just very stagnant, right? Or maybe you experienced some company policies that didn't feel fair. So perhaps there was policy around uh, getting promotions and you felt unfairly treated because you weren't eligible for a promotion for some arbitrary reason, even though your performance and your output was better than some of your colleagues who were up for those promotions, right? Like many of us have experienced policies that are incredibly frustrating for team members, whether it's because they're unclear or maybe they're unnecessary or maybe they're just straight up unfair, right? And that's why creating these policies is so important, especially as a business owner who literally holds the keys to the kingdom and has direct control over what is and is not, you know, written down in that rule book, you know what I mean? So quick tip, if you need a little bit more guidance around like where to start to clean up those company policies and procedures, first of all, I want you to take a look at any current documentation that you have. So if you have like an employee handbook or something of that nature, really review it and make sure that it's up to date and it's accurate and relevant. Because what I see time and time again is many of us business owners, look, we're strapped for time. I get it. We pull things off of Google and we're like, all right, you know, this company said that this is their employee handbook. That's good enough for me. However, remember that you you 
uh, distribute these handbooks to your employees for a reason. So it really is up to you to make sure that they are truly relevant to what the heck is going on in your company and uh, the things that you're going to be holding your team members accountable to. All right. Now, another thing that you can definitely do once you kind of take stock and take inventory of what documentation around these policies is already in place is get your current team's input. You know what I mean? Because after all, they are the ones who, you know, are held accountable to these policies and will be following any of these procedures day in and day out. So it's very likely that they have ideas for improvement Or, you know, like a lot of these handbooks are 50 to 100 page documents, like maybe you just need a second set of eyes, right? And you can also uh, take a look at what others in your industry or in a similar industry are doing. If any of them have their handbooks public or anything like that, maybe you have some colleagues you can reach out to and check out like what they've got going on in their handbooks and really ask yourself uh, as it relates to what you have documented, are my policies unreasonably strict? Are the penalties for not following my policies too harsh? Do I not have any policies in place so there is effectively no guidance in this area? Like be very, very honest with yourself as you're auditing this and commit to doing the work to make it better. Now, keep in mind, uh, if you need support doing work like this and it's just not within your wheelhouse and you're just like, no, ma'am, not doing it, it may be in your benefit to look into, you know, having your chief operations officer or hiring a fractional chief operations officer. I, le- I see a lot of smaller businesses doing that lately um, or c- contacting, connecting with like an HR firm to do this type of work for you or at least partner with you to get it done. All right. Now, the second hygiene factor that I wanted to uh, encourage you to check up on and make sure you're cleaning up behind the scenes is supervision. So essentially, as you scale your company, as you're building out your leadership team, we have to remember that not all good team members make good leaders. You know what I mean? So some people really, truly just want to do their work in peace and do not want the additional responsibility of supervising others. And that's okay. So when we're talking about supervision. It is what it sounds like. We're talking about the role of being a supervisor, of managing other people. And it's difficult, especially in this context of remote leadership, which is what many of you all are dealing with. So just remember as the CEO, like I know you get this, right? Like you built the business, you built the team, then you were steeped in these responsibilities of leadership and management. So maybe you um, were able to kind of outsource some of that management by hiring an online business manager or someone of that nature or an integrator or something like that. But this is your reminder that as you continue to build out these departments and really scale your company, it's going to be absolutely critical to make sure that your new leadership team is capable of adequate management and supervision. Now, I've said this before, I will say it a million times before I retire, and it's people don't leave their jobs, they leave their bosses, okay? And that happens to be true. Uh, I'm making this up, but I'm going to say 99.9% of the time, many people tend to leave companies because of their direct manager. So even if you're a fantastic leader, a visionary CEO, all of the accolades, just like chef's kiss, you're doing the damn thing as a CEO in your leadership role. If you have someone on your leadership team who is not effectively managing and supervising the department beneath them, 
it is going to cause issues, okay? Like this is a job that truly requires advanced leadership skills, the ability to treat all of your employees fairly. And that can be pretty difficult, especially in a new company, especially if, uh, you know, the majority of your work is done remotely. Not an easy thing to master. All right. So the third hygiene factor is one that we hear about all the time. Honestly, probably should have made it number one, but here we are. And that's going to be salary. Money, 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 money. Okay. So I I literally, every time I say that, I think about um, Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. My siblings loved that show, but I get it because we all want to live comfortably. We all want to be paid fairly, but there is some truth to you get what you pay for in relation to our team members and our employees, right? If someone were to pay minimum wage for a job classified as entry level, what would you get? You would get someone doing entry level work. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's what we would expect for an entry-level job paying minimum wage, right? I just, I say that to say, I don't know if you guys watch SpongeBob, but like, do you remember how obsessed he was with being the best fry cook there ever was? Like, he loved his job. And the truth of the matter is, not everyone is going to be that intrinsically motivated, especially if it happens to be a situation where, you know, Let's say that SpongeBob was not paid minimum wage. He was paid no money at all. Like we are not compensating him for his time, for the value that he's bringing into the Krusty Krab. Very few people in this world are going to just be intrinsically motivated to essentially be taken advantage of. That's absolutely ridiculous, right? And so even if we take that concept, the silly little cartoon concept I just threw together there, and we apply it to what's going on in your company, we have to think like if we're bringing in a social media manager to effectively do the work of an entire marketing department, we cannot expect to pay them $20 an hour and get the best, you know, advertisements, the best everything there is in regards to marketing put out for our company. That's absolutely ridiculous. However, it is important to say salary is actually not a top motivator. Like that is a very, um, you know, like the carrot dangling in front of the horse mentality. You would think that it would be. You would think that we were all really like Mr. Krabs, just like money, 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 money. But although it's important, Okay, and we don't just like take advantage of people and do work for free. There is no such thing as offering more money and getting more motivation from your team members as a result. Here's where it matters. Okay, they need to believe and they need to perceive that they are being paid fairly. If they believe they are being paid fairly, then they will do the work and do it well, period, point blank, period. So to accomplish this, it's very, very simple. You need to do a basically like an industry competitor analysis. Make sure that what you are offering to pay these people is in line with industry averages um, and is in line with like what is a fair livable wage in relation to where they live. Because although you are hiring for a remote role, it is, you know, it. I mean, it matters. Like if you're considering hiring someone who lives in New York City, they may be requesting more comp compensation than someone who lives in, I'm making this up, but like Alabama, right? Just purely because cost of living differs so drastically. So I could get into a whole conversation about that. I know I have a lot of hiring uh, firm friends who literally do this work for you and do these analyses for you to make sure that you're offering fair wages, but just know it's absolutely a part of the hygiene is to make sure that the salary is 
given what it's supposed to give. Also, I want you to keep in mind, circling back to that concept of policies, we need to make sure that you have clear documented policies related to things like salary, raises, and bonuses that is included in this hygiene factor. All righty. Okay, so let's move on to the fourth one. We're almost done here. And this one is interpersonal relationships. So like, what are the relationships given? This is where my heart comes alive because you know me, I'm like team dynamics all the way. Let's talk about it. But it actually is a hygiene factor, not a motivation factor, which I thought was pretty interesting. So we talk about this all the time, but company culture matters. A huge part of company culture is interpersonal relationships, the way that people feel working with one another, developing that sense of camaraderie and teamwork and whatnot. But actually, like a lot of people don't know that this isn't just a nice to have. This is a hygiene factor. It's absolutely necessary. We need to ensure that our team members do not feel isolated, do not feel disconnected, do not feel, you know, unrecognized by everyone else on the team. There is actually a level of camaraderie and teamwork that is absolutely necessary baseline for people to be happy and engaged and motivated by their jobs. So of course, we can take things to the next level. And that's where a lot of, you know, like our team retreat work and just the different team developmental exercises that I do in my firm with teams all across the world. That's what we really focus on is taking things to that next level. But baseline interpersonal relationships on your team must be healthy and functional for people to feel good at work. Alrighty, so the last hygiene factor that we need to talk about on your little checklist today is going to be working conditions. Now, this one's super, super interesting because working conditions, a lot of times when we talk about these in relation to um, Hertzberg's work, is really focused on physical work conditions. Like, you know, if you have a brick and mortar business, we're talking about whether, you know, where the people are working is clean and safe. And if people are likely to get hurt on the job and all of that stuff. However, I did a lot of thinking around how working conditions can really apply if you have a mainly online business or hybrid work environment where people are doing the majority of their day-to-day work virtually. And I had a lot of thoughts. Now, one thing I will say is the physicality of your virtual team members workspace is actually still important and is going to contribute to that, you know, baseline satisfaction that's necessary for your team to take things to the next level, right? So just different things that you can recommend, like making sure they have a separate area to work in that's not like their bed or their couch, right? Things like a desk, an ergonomic office chair, maybe a mug heater. Like these are all things that we can absolutely recommend and even provide to our team members, irregardless of where they are actually working. But aside from those physical things, I also thought about some other areas that technically are impacting those working conditions. So I wanted to chat about those. Um, So the first one would be employee benefits. So you're going to want to assess in regards to those benefits, whether or not your company can or should offer things like health insurance to remain competitive in your industry. Something else you can think about in regards to benefits are areas like career development, parental leave, wellness programs, so on and so forth. Another thing that really does impact overall working conditions is just the workload in and of itself. So we all know the traditional workload um, is 40 hours per week, especially if you live in the United States. Um, But is this absolutely necessary? You know what I mean? 
Uh, you can have W-2 employees that don't necessarily work 40 hours a week. I've seen some entrepreneurs and some startups do some really interesting things with like a 30-hour work week where they're still paying, you know, full-time salaries, but the work is really truncated to like 30 hours. So that's something that you can definitely, definitely think about. Now, in line with that is also the work schedule. So again, what if it's not, you know, the standard Monday through Friday? What if we do an adjusted work schedule where all work happens between Monday and Thursday and we allow for our teams to have three-day weekends and things like that? These are all different ways to really impact the overall working condition. And then the last one, I almost forgot about this one. But the last one that I want to throw in there is something that we call occupational stress. So, of course, in any job, like when you have responsibilities, you know, deadlines, that sort of pressure, there's going to be stress. You know what I mean? However, it could be really helpful for you to kind of think about the ways that you can really tidy up this hygiene factor by thinking about, okay, how can I reduce how stressful it is to be a part of my team working in this role, right? That's, it's considered one of its own categories, but I actually think of it as a way to think about the things like the work schedule and the workload and those benefits. Like, what can I do to really make this a more so peaceful experience, you know what I mean? Um, I've heard some leaders say it before, and I really, really value when leaders think like this, but if we are building companies that are supposed to afford us these flexible lives that feel good and feel really aligned with not only our professional purpose, but also our personal purposes in life, how can we do the same thing for our team members, right? So with that spirit in mind, of course, we want stress to be as minimal as possible and we want it to be healthy. Like we don't want it to be stress from customers and clients that are like cursing our team members out or anything crazy like that. Alrighty, so we have made it through our five hygiene factors. So just to recap, those hygiene factors included taking a peek at those company policies and procedures, taking a look at your management and supervision capabilities, specifically amongst your leadership team. Uh, salary, what's going on with that money, hopefully it's not looking funny, the interpersonal relationships on your team, and the overall working conditions. So as a reminder, it's absolutely imperative that you get those hygiene factors cleared up, we dust the cobwebs off, we make sure there aren't any missing floorboards or crusty crusties on the carpet. We want to clean those up so that we have room to take things to the next level with our team and, you know, back to that analogy from earlier, install the chandelier and the 75 inch flat screen. Okay. So if you are still with me here at the end, I have a little bit of homework for you. Take a moment and write down three areas, three things that popped in your head as you listen to this episode, three ways that you can take immediate action to go ahead and clean up, fix that hygiene up so that you can really increase increase satisfaction by actually decreasing dissatisfaction in your team. All right. And a little bonus, when you're done with your list, DM me, like find me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and tell me what you're going to be cleaning up and I will do my best to hold you accountable to it. Okay. So I will see you on the next episode of Tide Pod and do your homework. (music) 